welcome to the Digital Marketeer. Today, I'm speaking with Kathy Ogerio, Head of Digital Publisher Sales at Freewill, a Comcast company. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Um, Kathy and I go way back, uh, so I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I'd love for you to just intro yourself and give us a little bit of background. Absolutely. So uh, as Stephanie mentioned, Kathy Argerio and I uh, work for Freewheel Comcast Company for the last seven years. Uh, before I joined Freewheel, I worked, and this is where Stephanie and I crossed paths, I worked at Pubmatic, um, a SSP in the industry. And before that, I worked at a mobile network. So my, my roots stem in um, mobile and video. And uh, I've always been interested in media and um, ad tech has basically been my career path. So uh, I think every stepping stone um, that I've had leading me to Freewheel, which are known for their video ad serving uh, in the industry and video monetization, um, led me to where I am today as a, I like to call myself a video programmatic um, not a guru by any means, but definitely uh, some, my expertise lies in uh, programmatic and in video technology. Awesome. And so how did you make the jump from mobile to connected television? So funny enough, I, I always like to say that my, um, my very first job, um, my real job, was at a company that had their own content management system, so a CMS. And so their specialty was essentially building websites for publishers that wanted a website or a mobile app. That was my very first exposure to coding and to um, just the way advertising works on a website or a mobile device. Fast forward, um, my interest and the 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 birth of iPhones and the interest that I had in just mobile applications led me to a mobile video ad network. And uh, eventually at Pubmatic, I helped build out their mobile offering where I was focused initially on uh, integrating with demand side platforms, DSPs, that were interested in spending their budgets on mobile inventory. And eventually mobile um, started, um, it was considered an emerging format and as was video. And so um, again, same way I was very intrigued with iPhones and mobile applications. I was very intrigued by video. I was very intrigued and I thought it was the most entertaining uh, medium. And so the that eventually led me into which um, their specialty was uh, not just any type of video, not your cat videos, online videos. It was TV video. It was professionally produced episodic content. And who does not enjoy um, video, TV uh, these days? Who doesn't enjoy laying on the couch and watching a really great series? And so um, my, my fascination with video and TV video specifically led me to um, Free Will Comcast. And um, I think that the pandemic absolutely accelerated our uh, viewing patterns. And so I think that we have seen such a spike in the way um, people are consuming premium content. And here we are with uh, CTV, the, the, the world of, of CTV. Awesome. So what are you responsible for on your team and at, at Freewill? What, what is your main duties and your main goals? 
So I lead there. I lead uh, freewheels sales efforts for new digital publishers that are interested in working um, with a monetization solution. So what that really means is that my team is going out and seeking publishers or video content providers that have uh, inventory available for monetization. A lot of the publishers that we're speaking to today um, rely on programmatic means. They don't necessarily have large direct sales teams, and um, they do have a great amount of video content available that they want to um, be able to monetize. And so um, the conversations that we're having day in, day out are around the type of video assets that they have available that they want to plug into a SSP um, and have uh, programmatic transactions helping uh, drive revenue to the table. That's great. And what kind of clients do you work with? So if someone is interested in working with you or interested in Freewheel Comcast, you know, what are some of the criteria that they would need to have in order to, to work with you? Uh, the the main criteria is uh, we are we specialize only in video. So not to say that we don't work with publishers that have uh, display assets as well, but I like to have a rule of thumb of at least twenty five percent of uh, your overall inventory, uh, advertising inventory should be video. And when the way we define video, um, we do try to. Um, define the the premium nature of video that works well within our marketplace as full episode episodic long form professionally produced so if you do check the box and you do have at least 25% of your uh video of your advertising assets video and it is professionally produced long form uh episodic and you are looking to make money uh, and monetize this through programmatic means, then you are a great fit and someone that we should be, um, someone that I could engage with. Scale is also important. I think that um, the DSPs that we're plugging into and the buyers that we work with do like to have um, a good amount of scale. And so a good rule of thumb to ensure that the algorithms are, are properly working and are um, attracted to your inventory. If you start seeing about a million to 2 million requests a day, I think that's pretty healthy and you'll end up seeing a really good return. Awesome. Thanks for that. So one thing I'd like to kind of get out of the way, um, a lot of people use CTV, linear, OTT interchangeably. Can you kind of give us a quick synopsis and definition of how they're different and what they are? Absolutely. And my gosh, you are right. They <laughs> definitely use them interchangeably. Um, so CTV, connected TV, is any TV that is connected to the internet and can stream content on an individual impression basis. Linear TV is refers to traditional television channels. Uh, with a set schedule that is viewed on a national basis. OTT, which stands for over the top, refers to video content delivered directly over the internet and can include CTV. I do think it may be helpful if I share a little bit more context uh, in for the evolution of the terms. So OTT, as I mentioned, over the top, it has its roots in traditional in the traditional television world. Everything changed when we were able to begin streaming our favorite television shows over the internet, in addition to watching it on broadcast or cable or satellite. So the term over the top refers to that old school media 
being viewed on a computer, on a mobile device versus on the television. It was used in the early days to refer to streaming TV shows because mobile and desktop were being used to watch these shows in addition to over the top of linear. So the best example of OTT services is Netflix or Hulu or Disney. You could watch all of their content on demand on any device. So over time, TVs became internet equipped. I know I have a smart TV in my living room right now. And so CTV or connected TV focuses on video that is delivered through an IP address, basically the internet and viewed on a big screen. So this includes smart TVs, as I mentioned, that are streaming video directly over the internet. It also includes internet connected devices like a Roku or a Chromecast or a Fire Stick, Apple TV, and others that stream to a TV. And it also includes game consoles such as an Xbox or PlayStation or Nintendo and anything else that, um, any other gaming console that streams again to a television. So in conclusion, you could use, you should use CTV when you're specifically talking about smart TVs and streaming devices that are attached to the actual glass of a TV. Mobile and desktop devices are not included in the term CTV. And um, OTT is the delivery mechanism, essentially. Thank you for that. Um, okay. That was very thorough and, and very direct. I think our, our viewers will, or our listeners, I should say, will be very happy to have a better understanding for that. What term do you think we should use for the duration of, of this interview? <laughs> um, I think, I think um, we, you know, what we should do is say OTT slash CTV. Okay. Uh, I do think that CTV is, um, is certainly the part uh, is cer certainly where we're seeing the biggest um, increase in mm -hmm. viewership. And I think that we could all just think of our own behaviors. Um, I think that uh, there are some other acronyms because we sure love our acronyms in this industry that we should also be mindful of. Um, you probably have heard things like AVOD or SVOD or mm -hmm. S that top box, STB. So all of these are important to also mention when thinking of um, OTT slash, slash CTV. But I think another term that is going to be more common that we're hearing is just streaming. Streaming. That at this point, it's all going to um, turn into us thinking about just streaming content. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what it comes down to. And so AVOD, which stands for ad-based video on demand, is free to consumers, something like YouTube, for example, uh, and plays ads uh, while you get your chance to consume video content. SVOD, subscription video on demand, uh, are uh, services like Netflix or Hulu, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners have seen uh, the news of even Netflix, which was um, a very traditional SVOD model, relied on subscription revenue uh, and no advertising to the to the consumer is now also switching their model. Mm. Uh, and then you also have 
STB, which is set top box, which are your traditional cable boxes. If you have Comcast, if you're part of a Comcast footprint and you have a cable um, Comcast box or Verizon, um, what we call MVPDs, um, they, that is, I think, um, another term that, uh, other, that people are, are very commonly, uh, hearing, but, I think um, we could probably, the more I think about it, I think we should just talk about streaming going forward. Into <laughs> okay. This we certainly do have a lot of acronyms, that's for sure. Um, so in terms of streaming, you know, how is this evolving? Like, what should the industry be preparing for? What should marketers be thinking about as they're making plans or, you know, planning for next quarter, next year, things like that? So one thing I will say is that, um streaming TV, I should say TV supply will always be more scarce. And um, it is unlike channels like display online um, video, mobile video, uh, because if you think about it, um, there's never going to be as plentiful of inventory in television because number one, attentiveness. You really can't scroll through 15 shows in 10 minutes and then right. be done with your experience like that, the way you would on, on web. Um, and then the other thing that we need to think about is tolerance. Customers are not going to tolerate more ads than content. So I think that um, when we think about streaming ads and why they are probably more effective, if you think about the attentiveness and that tolerance that you get in a streaming environment versus display, um, it's it's very obvious that it's a very different experience, and the marketer and the public and the and the content creator need to be very mindful of that experience. Um, and how do you feel like with that said, and and with what you're saying, I'm I'm kind of thinking about some things with it being scarce, which I definitely understand where you're coming from, and from an intake perspective, that makes a lot of sense. But from a marketer's perspective, if you think about it, every time you turn on the TV or you go to a conference, there's another streaming device popping up or another branch of something, you know, like there's, you know, Hulu and Netflix and, and, and the really popular ones that have been around for a while. But then we have these little guys that are coming out or maybe not so little anymore that are branching off like Paramount and Discovery and, you know, trying to get people to subscribe to those specific things where it kind of makes the marketer's job a little bit harder on where should I be? Where is my audience? Who am I looking for? What's the right price? So how do you kind of break through that noise or what would be your advice to kind of break through that and or where to start? Like it could be very overwhelming. It definitely is very overwhelming. And I think that is the big challenge um, that I hear publishers uh, talking to me about um, all the time. I think that, I think for a marketer looking to get started in streaming, they should really, uh, consider their target audience, ad formats and creative and the platforms they will use for a supplier. It's all about the distribution. And that is the hardest part of our job. There is a constantly evolving landscape of streaming technologies and programmatic advertising. It's moving at a very fast pace. Then you throw in uncertainties around measurement currencies. And so it becomes very, very tricky. I also think that in order to be successful, 
consumers are using multiple devices to access content. So it's essential to have a unified measurement system across all platforms. And so we need to start embracing tools and methodologies that provide holistic view of audiences and add performance. And that's a great segue into my next few questions. So what are some of the metrics that will play a key role in defining some of these KPIs and you know what features and reporting are currently available and what do you feel is lacking or needed? Absolutely. So incremental reach is a metric um, that measures the additional unique audience reach through CTV campaigns compared to other platforms. It helps understand the effectiveness of CTV in expanding overall audience reach. I suspect that there is going to be um, uh, this, this is going to be uh, something that we're going to have to pay a lot more attention to uh, with the rise of CTV. Ad viewability is also um, an important metric. Um, it refers to the percentage of ads that are actually seen by viewers. As CTV ads become more and more prominent, ensuring high viewability rates will be essential for campaign success. Um, I also, as consumers access content across various devices, it's essential to understand, again, how, does C how do CTV ads contribute to the overall marketing funnel? Cross-platform attribution helps in attributing conversions and sales to specific CTV campaigns and ad placements. And that is an area of improvement. I think that is no one uh, really has the holy grail at the moment. It is going to, it is something that the industry as a whole has to come together and really try to um, find a common ground. And what do you think that means for first party data? I mean, that's a big topic. Um, it's it's something with privacy and cookies going away that people are really kind of leaning into. How is CTV kind of preparing for that or what what data is currently available that you could utilize from from these types of ads? the The evolution of CTV and the increasing focus on personalization and targeting um, will put an emphasis and value on first party data. Collecting and leveraging first-party data will allow uh, for us to understand audiences better. Analyzing first-party data, you could gain insights into viewers' preferences, into their habits, demographics. It will enable you to create more engaging content and targeting advertising campaigns. Enhancing ad targeting and personalization with the first-party data uh, results in higher engagement and therefore improved return on ad spend. And lastly, I will say, as data privacy regulations become more stringent, first-party data provides a, comp uh, a compliant and reliable way to target and personalize ads without relying on third-party cookies or data. So what this means for first-party data is that they are definitely, it's, it's going to be in the forefront for sure. Question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about, so with Shoppable? A lot of what I've been seeing at conferences and things is shoppable television. So how do you think that that's going to kind of marry into some of the ROI in the future of, of where first party data could kind of be married into, you know, taking a picture of a QR code and then buying a product from that ad? I think these are all 
tactics and and things that are going to be more and more uh, relevant in our days. I think the consumption of content in large screens and while holding a mobile device, um, we're, and even the pandemic itself, reintroducing this idea of QR codes, I think that uh, consumer behaviors are going to continue changing and evolving and adapting to uh, the practice of being able to have multiple devices and then having an actionable um, metric or um, or a method to in, to connect directly to the consumer. Awesome. And what do you think some streaming ads are missing? Is there anything that you feel you know some of these ads could do better, or you know how do you advise your clients on what should be included and and how to make them relevant and make them eye catching? I think the key is to really, as as mentioned, when I am talking to suppliers, distribution is is critical. It is no longer um, just one endpoint. Think about how many diverse viewers are out there, diverse audiences, diverse internet providers, diverse television sets, um, streaming devices, applications. There is such a fragmentation right now. So in order to be successful, you do need to work with um, making sure that you have a very proper distribution uh, strategy to attract and to reach as many audiences as possible. I believe uh, an e-marketer stat I recently saw said that the number of households carrying four plus subscription streaming services has increased 218% wow. from 2019. And so um, I think that is very telling. Uh, we are seeing publishers developing DTC, direct to consumer apps, to control audience information. Um, publishers need to make content available on multiple platforms to maximize viewer reach and create audience solutions that can span all these different environments. And talking about stats, I had read a stat that about 50 million households in the US can be reached by streaming ads, which is crazy considering that this type of advertising is still so new and I feel like in such an infancy stage, but it's said to that it should be growing by 14, 15% for this year. Um, and it grew almost 20% last year. So why do you think that this is being adopted so quickly? And you know, how do you think that that might affect some of the other formats? DTV makes up the line share viewing for sure. Um, and represents an area of importance for advertisers since it reaches a very engaged audience in a very premium, lean back environment. The majority of viewing is taking place in a living room. And so I do think that it's going to continue being more widely adopted. And I do believe that uh, marketers are going to continue um, investing and shifting budgets to this type of uh, lean back environment. And so I'm not surprised to see these stats. And um, then you also, you may have heard, uh, there is CTV exclusive content that is now coming out. The Flight Attendant, which was on HBO Max. I think that we're going to see this trend. We're going to see more and more uh, content providers 
understanding this environment and catering content specific to these types of users. We're also seeing rapid growth in fast channels. Uh, and again, with the, with the increase of smart TVs, I know I became an official cord cutter during the pandemic. Same. I realized why am I, why am I paying for my cable subscription when I'm not really even watching, um, any of any, any content from my cable. I'm stream basically just down, I'm streaming content. And so I think that with major publishers launching their direct consumer services, fast uh, services popping up everywhere, smart TVs making so many channels uh, and content easily accessible. Plus you get exclusive CTV content from uh, major providers like HBO Max. I think that we're going to continue seeing this adoption in, in CTV. Do you mind just explaining what FAST is? FAST stands for free ad supported streaming TV. And they fast channels are essentially extending the service of traditional linear TV to connected devices. Free ad supported TV are amongst the fastest growing platforms. And as mentioned, with the increase of cord cutters like myself and you, fast platforms are now um, they have the they have a bigger audience than cable TV. Wow. And would you say that streaming ads are more effective? I would say so. I think it goes back to um, that lean back environment, that more engaged, uh, that tolerance and that attentiveness um, that is just tied to uh, streaming ads. And um, I do think that it is um, it is more effective. Do we have um, room for improvement? Of course we do. And I think that the measurement piece that we mentioned uh, is really important. The targeting piece is really important. Um, but we we're making strides, and I think that at least um, we're all evolving with the consumption habits. What are some of the biggest problems that your clients face, or what do they come with you come to you for, and and helping them try to solve? I do think that something that a lot of clients struggle with is things that we're talking about right now, the constantly evolving landscape, hearing about new providers popping up, um, hearing about new distribution platforms and making sure that they're working with all the um, OEMs, working with all the MVPDs. They need to um, essentially figure out how to ensure that their content is being distributed and being consumed across uh, the entire fragmented ecosystem. And what are some of the most common questions that you get asked by prospects or you know new new clients that are interested? So some of the common questions that we do end up getting is um, how much budget should they should be allocated towards? That's a good one. Um, and how can they provide incremental reach for campaigns? Uh, these are definitely questions that um, come top of mind um, in the, in the world of OTT slash CTV and streaming. Interesting. Um, it definitely makes sense. And I could, I could understand why that, that would be like some of the first questions, like, okay, how much money do you need from us? And so would you say that that's part of the criteria that they should take into consideration? Like knowing that they have the budget. I know earlier we spoke about, you know, um, what they, what they should consider and, and how to get started. So is there, 
you know, any tips or anything that you would give to the listeners on if this is a a right move for them or something that they should test into? I think that um, testing, I think that CTV brings together the best of digital and linear. So I truly do believe that OTT combines the best of of digital video and linear TV, and it comes, it brings together targeting and measurement um, in a digital experience. And so I do think um, it is well worth uh, investing in a engaged, lean back environment on a large glass um, and having, you know, very high completion rates and viewability rates. And of course, combining, um, you know, the the measurement piece and the targeting piece and the audience piece so that we get from traditional uh, digital. I think that CTV is the the, the one format that we're seeing that is actually marrying these two, uh, the best that we've ever seen. Interesting. And what would you say is the hardest part of your job? Hardest part of my job is definitely keeping up with all the programmatic uh uh, just the the speed in which things are um, are evolving and changing. And I think because of the rise of CTV and traditional buying habits in linear, uh, we are faced with a lot of legacy mentalities and um, workflows that we're still encountering in this marriage between the the linear and digital world. So I think that the hardest part is is really figuring out, how to um, incorporate programmatic in a very traditional linear world where, um, you know, it's not necessarily impression-based. It's not, uh, they're used to upfront deals and commitments and guarantees. And while there are um, programmatic transactions that allow for um, a high commitment and a guarantee, like in programmatic guaranteed and and biddable guaranteed, and um, there are ways that we're able to, provide a little bit more of a commitment and guidance to um to a to a supplier it still is not the method that a lot of linear has uh traditionally transacted on and so that marriage is probably the hardest part of um of my job and just keeping up with all the all the all the evolving uh fragmentation that continues to happen and what big players in the space do you think we should look out for Big players in the space to look out for, I think, are major streaming platforms like Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, and Hulu, as well as tech giants like Google and Facebook, who are investing heavily in streaming. Um, I think in a year from now, we'll likely see even more growth in streaming and advancements in technology, leading to more sophisticated targeting and measurement capabilities. I sure hope so, at least. And I think streaming is likely the greatest threat to linear. Interesting. And so um, do you think that there will ever be a time where everything is streaming and linear would be gone? I don't. I don't. Um, Do I think that um, the numbers are going to continue to evolve? I do. But I I don't think, I think that they're still going to be, um, a, a, a slither of uh, of linear that is still going to be around. Um, do you think that streaming actually helps reach other demographics where we might not 
buying them online anymore or, you know, where people are um, blocking ads and, you know, not interacting online? Do you think that they're, do you think that streaming is kind of helping bridge the gap between some of the younger demographics and older demographics? Um, we know that OTT serves a huge complement to net direct buys. In a recent OTT case study that Comcast completed with a major advertiser, the viewers reached on, uh, on OTT were lightly exposed or not at all exposed to the advertiser's national TV campaign. Hmm. So this suggests that OTT buys actually help them balance frequency and reach new audiences. That's great. And what would you say is the prime or the most common audience or demographic that you can reach or that you typically do reach on streaming? Or is it kind of depending on who you're targeting? I think it depends on who you're targeting. But I think that with the growth that we're seeing in CTV, the, the key message here is that it's not just one audience. I think that the fact that we're seeing the the, the growth in numbers is showing that um, it is not just millennials. It is not just you know Gen Z. It it is absolutely um, shaping out to really cast a very wide net. Very interesting. Um, I always like to see how things kind of progress, right? Um, like you said, you started off in mobile, and you know Netflix started out as a DVD rental place, you know, and look at them now. So it's very interesting to me to see how streaming has really evolved and taken hold of people's lifestyles in every generation. You know, um, my mother-in-law and my mother who are in their 60s, you know, have Hulu and have Netflix and have Prime. And that's what they're using as their primary television. Yet, you know, my daughter, who's 10 years old, is always on Netflix and, you know, downloading and streaming. So it really kind of, like you said, hits everybody. Mm -hmm. And it really, I, um, sorry uh, to interrupt, but it, I feel like it, it really has infiltrated in our lives in a way that we have grown accustomed to where we don't even realize it's happening. I could not agree more. And I will say I have an older father, he's 85 and he, um, he does not know how to use a computer. I, I can't blame him. Um, and so it's so amazing to see my father who, um, sees me on my laptop and he just doesn't even know he, what I'm doing. Uh, and he thinks I'm just clicking away is mesmerized by the way I'm using my mouse on my Mac. And yet this 85 year old, um, father of mine who, um, never owned a laptop of his own, um, is able now to use a Roku device in my house on my smart TV. And he is switching between Sling and Pluto and, um, and Netflix. And I am blown away. So I think that um, it, again, I would never, I would never think that my 85 year old father would be capable of, of, of doing this and being able to properly consume this content. And he is, and now this is the norm. He is more comfortable and he's so accustomed to figuring out how to consume content on uh, streaming apps. 
instead of traditional, um, you know, his traditional cable box at this point. So I think that that's very telling. Consumers um, are definitely the, the 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 consumer base is definitely changing. It is. And that's really amazing. I love that story. Um, but it, it goes to show like how it kind of just, I don't want to say disrupted our lives, but kind of just infiltrated, you know, mm-hmm. every aspect of our lives and how it's just become the norm. I agree. And I will also add, while we're talking about this, I think that it's important to talk about ad supported streaming versus subscription uh, bundles. So um, I also believe that not only are, has, the consumption pattern changed, but ad supported streaming specifically, I think is the growth engine of streaming. Um, Nine out of 10 streamers are watching ad supported content in some way. And uh, I know that I I heard a recent study saying that consumers are rethinking their subscription bundles so much that 49% of streamers said that they're likely to cancel or reconsider downgrading their subscriptions while 87% of streamers said that they're likely to try a new ad-supporting, ad-supported streaming service. And so I think while we're looking at the increase in uh, cord cutters and just the, the different audience that, like my 85-year-old dad, who is now uh, streaming content, we also need to pay attention to the AVOD versus SVOD models um, that are also very quickly evolving. Yeah. Um, that is very interesting. Um, very interesting statistics and and very high numbers. Yeah. Well, Kathy, this has been great. Thank you so much for being here. I always like to end our um, segments with two questions, two fun questions. What was your very first job? So my very, very first job where I got a paycheck um, was actually at the, oh, it was a nonprofit it was the Onassis Foundation. So I am from Greece. And so um, I was very excited to uh, work for the Onassis Foundation. And um, the very first gig that they gave me when I when I uh, told them my willingness to help them out in any way was to actually put me behind a bar during a during these social events that they would have. And it was my responsibility to essentially um, ask guests that were coming into their galas and their events if they wanted red wine, white wine, or Pellegrino. And that was it. And so I had to stand there with a big smile on my face, welcome guests, and ask them if they wanted red, white, or Pellegrino. (laughs) uh, It was amazing because they had some fabulous events. Let me tell you, they were so, so glamorous. And um, I definitely got to meet a lot of wonderful people. And when I got my very first paycheck after knowing that all I was saying was red, white, or Pellegrino, uh, it felt amazing, I must say. That is amazing. And I love how you said my first job with a paycheck. What was your first job without a paycheck? (laughs) It was babysitting. Babysitting. Yeah. (laughs) Typical, right? It was like for cousins. And so it was like, oh, you know, big cousin is, is going to babysit little cousin free of charge. And so, but, (laughs) and so for me, it was still a job. It was, but um, yeah, the, 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 the actual paycheck from the Onassis foundation uh, definitely lives with me and makes me smile. That's great. And if you could choose any career, any job, money's not an issue, what would it be? So I 
always thought I would somehow have my own television show going back to my, my I could definitely see that. And I love travel who doesn't, but I, if I, if money was not an issue and if I could snap my fingers or ask a, a magical genie to grant me a wish, I would love to have my own travel channel, my own travel television show where all I had to do was go and explore amazing places across the globe, learn more about their culture, their food, their traditions, and, um, and put together really awesome video content to <laughs> share it with the rest of the world. Um, a fun story about me is that uh, during the days of MTV and Total Request Live TRL for, I'm probably dating myself right I now. I love TRL. Um, during TRL days, it was, um, I had actually submitted a video to TRL. Really? Uh, to be a VJ. I wanted to uh, essentially be the next Carson Daly. And so uh, that would probably be my dream job, being able to, again, it, it is tied to video. It is uh, putting together some really great content and being able to travel the world um, and have my own show. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Kathy. I really appreciate your time. This was a great conversation. Can you tell everyone where they could find you if they're interested in learning more or reaching out or becoming a client of, of Freewheel? Absolutely. So you could find me on LinkedIn, Kathy Argerio. Uh, last name is spelled A-R-G-Y-R-I-O-U. Um, and I, a funny uh, little story here. For those of you that are not able to pronounce difficult Greek names with a lot of vowels, all you have to think about is Cheerio. Kathy Argerio, Cheerio, and that's a great way to remember me. But if you do want to reach out to me, please feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, it is my first initial, K with A-R-G-Y-R-I-O-U at freewheel.com. Thank you so much, Kathy. I hope you have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.